Hey, I'm Akko. And I'm Marcy. I'm Monte. I'm Veronica. And I'm Melissa. <gasps> oh my God. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sheesh. Um. And welcome to we the Color Pages Book Club, <laughs> a bi weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds <laughs> yes colorful backgrounds indeed and as you all just heard we have guests today yes the sjw comic book club podcast is back to bless the mic again mm-hmm. so we have our friends veronica melissa and monte here with us today to Talk about some gilded stories. Get That's into it up. with us. Um, so yeah, friends, like, what's up? Like, tell you know, why don't you just provide the listeners just a quick reminder of your show, y'all's platform? Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Mm-hmm. So Monty. we are the SJW <laughs> Comic Book Club. Uh, we are a weekly book club podcast where we just get together and we talk about comics. So the three of us have been friends basically forever. And eventually we decided we wanted to read more comics and we wanted to talk about them. So that's what we do. Mm. We love to see Uh, it. And y'all, they always have like super dope and interesting takes. They always read like different writers from different backgrounds. And I don't know, they always have like a political thing that they get into. (laughs) And maybe we've been on a couple of times. Maybe, I don't know. We don't know. But um, I mean, maybe like, five or six times yeah, like so many times <laughs> you know like whatever um all of our collaborations by the way are on our website so if you all are like wait yes. when did that happen just go to our collaborations page on thesecolorpages.com and you'll find all of those episodes there mm-hmm. i will say personally i'm not really like a marvel girly um when it comes to like superheroes and things so like i feel like this has been a good way for me to like learn more about like you know like i don't know static and you know nubia and like all these different like superheroes that i was like oh my god like they exist (laughs) so i'm like slowly building the lore um so thank y'all just a personal thank you from me to you and y'all know i love me some static um there's (laughs) definitely an episode where i just geek out like a nerd the whole time and i appreciate y'all for that but speaking of appreciation i have a (laughs) question (laughs) uh beautiful what is your question friend so as y'all know this book is very vampiric you know there's lots of vampires turning people into vampires being a vampire (laughs) (laughs) my question to Mm. y'all is would you turn into a vampire if given the choice given the chance you know absolutely (laughs) there's a part two (laughs) (laughs) yes it's never that simple Monte on the color pages book club part two would you turn would you turn into a vampire knowing you'd have to turn someone else yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) Monte would turn knowing that he was going to turn one of me or Veronica and that would be it oh yeah totally I turn both of you well, there we go. <laughs> so I guess the question's just for Monte because we don't have a yeah, choice. Don't have a choice. <laughs> if I'm becoming a vampire, they're also becoming vampires. So like, oh my god, we're good. 
He's like, I'm not watching the world burn in 2050 all by myself. Y'all are coming with me. I will have friends and y'all will be there. Yes. (laughs) But assuming that Monte, it wasn't compulsory. um, Veronica, Melissa, would would y'all do this of your own volition? I've never had anyone answer a question that quickly. (laughs) Yeah, like mad quick. Before the question was over. (laughs) It's no brainer for me. I don't... Do we have the rules that are outlined in the Guild of Stories? Yes. Yes. Okay. Then yeah, because I love these vampire rules. Mm. They're not stupid. Monte and I were just talking the other day about how Count Dracula stuck in Transylvania or whatever is so mm. stupid because <laughs> he could have just picked up the dirt and brought it with him. What a dumbass. <laughs> That's a good point. They That's did solve real. that really easily. They're like, why don't yeah. you, you can just put it in your clothes? And you're like, hmm, yeah, huh, okay. Ooh, good idea. <laughs> yeah. I think I would need to become a vampire in order to actually enjoy my life. Uh, right now it's tied to a bunch of obligations. And <laughs> like, no no shade at my obligations. But once those <laughs> obligations are done, it's like when my vacation starts. So like, yeah, I'll mm. totally become a vampire. <laughs> just outlive your obligations. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> be obliged to nobody (laughs) Um, love that what about you veronica Hmm. with the i've like i've read so much ya vampire fiction throughout my life um starting Mm. when i was a ya era person um (laughs) with these rules i'm not sure i necessarily would because i though i am like a delayed sleep phase night living person I miss the sun right now. I hate February. It's the worst month ever. So little sun. I miss it. And Mm. I was enjoying this story. I was like, this seems chill and cool, except I hate sleeping for the whole day. (laughs) So Mm. I would just miss the sun. But if Monte forced me to be a vampire, I presume that I would deal with it and enjoy my vampire (laughs) times. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, Gilda was like, they were like, yeah, it's dawn and Gilda is now sleeping. And I'm like, what is Gilda's like? I'm like, well, I guess Gilda was always more entrepreneurial. So she was like, girl, I'm going to work when I want to work. So I will be in bed <laughs> at 9 a.m. Like, I don't give a fuck. Um, hmm, for me, I feel like low key, I think I would do it too. I don't know. Like, it, it's... You I mean, have to would turn I beca- someone into a vampire, Marcy. <laughs> like- That's fair. But, like, just one person, right? <laughs> like, I feel like I can find one person that's, like, I heavy want to be a vampire. Like, please, like, I swear to God, like, I'll do anything. Like, I, I feel like I can find yeah, one person that's, like, down. I'm pretty sure you're one Craigslist ad away from finding <laughs> <Right>. someone. <laughs> like, by the end of this weekend, I think I could actually turn someone. Actually, by the end of the business day, I think, actually. So, I'll have three people, like, right. ready to go. Right. I have, like a, like, a vampiric side hustle where I'm just like, yeah, girl, like, I'll turn anybody for, like, you know, a cute coin. Um, but like, <laughs> well, sounds like, like if I, you like pick the right person, you've got like this chill, polyamorous, non-possessive, ooh, non-obligatory uh, kind of relationship. So yeah, you just yeah. have to be a good judge of character. <laughs> that's yeah, real. Don't choose wrongly. Yeah, well, and it also and like, yeah. helps that you can literally read their mind. So like, yeah, that's right, true. that's true. That's true. Yeah, I feel like it'd so be easy I to find like... somebody. 
<laughs> no, that's real. That's Especially, real. I feel like Starting with, with 2023, me. here in 2023, <laughs> when we're closer to the apocalypse than not, like, we're like, yeah, we don't got much to live for. So, you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> fuck it. it. Like, literally, why not? I Okay. Though, I will say, though, I'm like, yes, the, like, being, like, like flying and you know being super strong and all that like sounds really great but i'm like oh the blood part mm, i'm squeamish <laughs> so that's the only thing where i'm like the logistics i'm like i'm sorry i have to yeah. eat blood every day every yeah. day every day not even like blood I just, pudding. like you can't even yeah I don't, i'm like is there a way to like i don't know I, I feel like if i saw it it would make me want to throw up but like if i could just like suck it directly from somebody and just like i don't know Oh, yeah. especially you're like not see any trace of it i think i can maybe do it yeah can like i just opt for like a little bit a, no well, you can't be drinking vegan blood if you're drinking blood that's true yeah mm. maybe I, if i could opt for like just like a teaspoon i think i could do it but like if it was like you have to drink gallons of blood every day like <laughs> ooh, <eek>. um <laughs> that sounds stressful as fuck like every day oh no um yeah oh, no maybe not actually yeah that sounds gross i'm not gonna do it yeah, no, no. <laughs> and that's, I'm, yeah I'm that's an not errand do every day too because no one was drinking out of blood bags no one had no. decanters yeah. of blood you gotta mm-hmm. go out and get it and you can't like yeah. be suspect about it because then people are gonna figure out you, you know you can't just be like hey excuse me can i can't <laughs> suck your blood yeah can't just yeah. break At into least- your neighbor's house every day <laughs> Right. Yeah. At least you can break into people's houses. Imagine trying to be invited in to break in. Oh my God. No, right. you just slip in. No big deal. Also, what happens if you and another vampire see the same person? Like, do y'all just like, like, how do y'all settle? Like, okay, like, but like, who's going to get it? Because mm. like, I saw this person first. So like, back the fuck up, you know? Like, Rock, I don't paper, know. Ex- yeah. They yeah. mm. have a mental battle. Yeah, I'm not going to do I feel it. like the oldest one wins. Whoever's the oldest gets to take them. But we, like, we if we're all living forever, human, I mean, we don't get to ask the human what they what they would prefer. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess their know? consent is important in this decision. But also, who would voluntarily be like, oh yeah, actually, please suck my, all my shit out? You know what I mean? Like that's like. <laughs> I, me, I don't just know. To Honestly, <laughs> I would. Because like? it sounds like these vampires, <laughs> these vampires are like going around giving you like confidence boosts, boosts that's giving true. you motivation, solidifying your choices and decisions, like. I was I was aspiring to be the people who got their blood sucked in this book. Interesting. TV. Maybe that's a good point. That's a good every, every time you have like a major decision you need to make, you just email Glinda. Like, <laughs> yeah, because I know it's not that one choice is better than the other one. It's just I need to feel committed to one of them, right. and that's what these vampires oh, can do for me. Honestly. Wow, that actually resonated beyond the podcast. Um, thank you for saying that, Veronica. I really need to hear that. Aka, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, what if you became like a vampire therapist like so people came in and then you're like "Mm," and they're like telling you about your problems you're like well i can read your mind and also if you want i can just suck your blood and like replace it with confidence and then like then you're you know and you'd work in you'd work not during business hours so you get all those people who have a nine to five and then you wouldn't have to do errands because they come to you on the weekdays Mm. we did it we did it (laughs) y'all The vampire therapy service. <laughs> and you know we're millennials and Gen Z. You know we need therapy. Like Right. So You always gonna have a job. Um <laughs> But yes. But yeah, Aqua, what about you? Would you do it? Uh, you know, I, I would be the vampire therapist. But outside of that, <laughs> I here's what I will say. The food you, the food doesn't taste as good from what I understand. Um Ew. and I do I do love the sun. 
you know. Mm. But all those caveats aside, I'm doing it. I'm absolutely <laughs> doing it. Yes. Because I, I would love to travel forever and to see the world change. You know that episode mm. of Futurama where they like go all the way to the end of time? Marcy, you're coming with me, by the way. Just to tell you that you're coming with okay, me. Okay, so <laughs> I'm again also don't have a choice. Yeah, you don't <laughs> I'll just get the fuck over it, I guess. Yeah. Well, you'll be like Julius. Great. We won't see each other all the time. It'll be like this podcast. We'll just be right. <laughs> Oh I God. will say it would be hard to have people and let them go, you know, so many people yeah. in your life. But maybe that's what we do in our real lives anyway. So maybe it's fine. Yeah. 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 It's true. Also, like, I feel like I'd be the vampire that would get us all fucked up because I'd be like, <laughs> I have to, t- like, I got to spill the tea at some point. I got to be like, I'm <laughs> literally a vampire. <laughs> um, I didn't know how else to tell you that, but like, here we are um and who knows maybe that could like really open up a lot of my social connections i'm like shit if i'm gonna be a vampire some of y'all gotta know like i can't just keep the <laughs> shit in the whole time that sounds stressful I you could just tell people and then hustle. wipe their memories right away oh Ooh, for the catharsis yeah. oh, i love that hmm. i love how we've just we've turned into the vampires who do not care about humanity's autonomy nah <laughs> 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 Oh we're the gosh. millennial vampire so there yeah. you go <laughs> just like burnt out and just like ready to take a nap um <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah yes. during the day right can i be a vampire to sleep right <laughs> Ooh, are we already vampires? Hmm, that's the question mm. all right well that <laughs> that was the thing that we all did um we're going to take a break <laughs> come back and do the summary and then after mm-hmm. that we'll do the discussion so see y'all in a bit Sounds good. See ya. And we're back. Woo. Yes, so I know y'all love y'all some SJW. I know y'all love y'all some SJW, but they will be back. We promise. Um, but first, we let you know we want to give y'all a quick little plot summary on the happenings, the goings on before we rejoin our friends in the discussion section. Okay. So hopping back into the story. So where we last left off, I think Gilda was in Oh, Cha, I feel like I'm taking a test in English class. Gilda was last. What was the last <laughs> scene with Gilda? Was it Aurelia? Yeah, she was in St. Louis. Okay, boom. Yeah, 1921. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so Gilda last time she was in St. Louis doing her thing with Aurelia. Fast forward about 30 years, Gilda now lives in Boston. So she lives in 1955 Boston. She's working at like a hair shop on the South End, right? Mm -hmm. So she works with a lot of sex workers in particular. And there's one person in particular that she's gotten really close to named Savannah. Now, the two of them are like, you know, generally key king at the at the shop. You know, they get along really yeah. well. And one day they're like, you know, just hanging out, whatever. Um, and in walks a man who doesn't have a name like like i actually looked mm. i was like oh they actually just did not <laughs> give him a name okay so there's a person a blank space. right there's a man without a name uh, who comes in and he he works for a pimp named fox now mm. fox is 
incredibly abusive. Um, yeah, he's a bad dude. Really terrible person, um, causing havoc throughout the entire neighborhood. And he's also a vampire. They don't know this at this point, but like mm-hmm. I just figured I'd just like give you all that information. <laughs> so, spoiler. right, spoiler alert. Um, and in, and and basically, what spoilers the podcast. Um, so <laughs> basically, Fox sent No Name to to you know basically to Gilda's shop to find this girl named Toya. Um, she's like 15 years old. She's been essentially sex trafficked. That's the other thing. She's a child. She's a child. She's um, a child. So basically, you know, she had been, we don't really necessarily know like the details of her origin story, but like basically, um, Fox had, you know, had her like forced her to sort of stay with him. She escaped recently. Um, and basically this guy was like, Oh, have y'all seen Toya? And Gilda and Savannah were like, first of all, even if we have seen Toya, why the fuck would we tell you that mm-hmm. we saw her? Um, but they hadn't. They and were also, like, so we haven't seen it. We have, we have, we, we also <laughs> straight up, we, we, we actually have not seen Toya at all. And like, no name was like, I will, you know, just you know, let me know. And Gilda's like, boy, get the fuck out of my hair salon. So he mm-hmm. leaves. It, it maybe 10 minutes go by and Toya shows up at the hair salon as well, but from like the back entrance. So Gilda and Savannah are naturally really worried because they're like, okay, Toya, so you're in town. Fox is Mm -hmm. absolutely wild and like is a vampire. So like, I'm not sure if we explained this in part one, but vampires have this like kind of uncanny ability to like be tapped into one another. Like they can like send each other these telepathic messages, but that's kind of true for people too. So Gilda's like, okay, Fox, even if we, even if he wasn't a vampire, he has a kind of range in the city where like he he's gonna find out that you're here, and like we 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 need mm-hmm. to make sure that you can get out of town. Now, Toya, for context, she's from the South. I think she's from Louisiana. Um, yep. Yeah. So basically, they're like, okay, we need to get you out of town, right? So Savannah ends up leaving, and Gilda's like, okay, Toya, just stay here at the shop, um, and we're gonna figure something out. We'll like you know arrange for a way for you to like escape down south. Now, there's a knock on the door after all of this. Gilda goes to the front door, opens it up, and guess who is there but Bird. Yes, that is right. Yep. The same yep. bird that helped raise Gilda um, when she was a child and has been gone for the past 50 years. So Bird just mm-hmm. shows up. And Gilda's like, oh my God, what the fuck, Bird, girl, what? And so like Bird's like, I know. So the two of them like just like link arms and like leave and like head out. Well, Mind you, leaving. Well, is that what happened? I mean, I feel like it was like a, it was like a, it was something close to morose, but also a homecoming, but also, uh, it was like a very mixed emotional. Yeah. Cause Gilda's like, wow, like I have, you know, like, I'm so glad to see you, but also like, damn, I haven't seen you in 50 years. Not because I wasn't trying to see you for 50 years, but girl, where the fuck were you? Like, it's it's kind of this, like trying to make sense of what's going on. Basically the two of them end up leaving. Yeah. Now they they leave to- Toya. Right. Now Toya is still at the hair salon. Toya still there. My the same Toya mm-hmm. that's being sought after by this Okay. Yep. So Toya's at the hair salon. Um Gilda and Bird go back to Gilda's place and you know they catch up. Um basically we learn that uh Bird spent most of her life um sort of just like reconnecting with I don't know if it was just like her specific tribe of people or if it was like just various indigenous communities around the world. So I think she started by first going back to the Lakota people. Okay. So she's Lakota. And then she also started traveling, but she also does that more later in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also travels to different indigenous tribes. Like she mm-hmm. goes to New Zealand at one point. Yeah. I don't know if she's done that yet in this point though. Yeah. But like, you know, she's been like around, right? Um, but the whole time, you know, she's been keeping an eye on Gilda. She's like, I've always like kind of been tapped into you, you know, all of that, all of that. Then, um, 
<sighs> the two of them. Ha- okay, so there's a scene where they're catching up. They end up getting into yeah. Gilda's bed. Well, they wait, sorry. I think we should add the little bit of context that Gilda is still worried that Bird wants to kill her because she feels responsible. Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Gilda version one. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But it's weird because she shouldn't feel responsible. It's kind of like Bird made her feel that way because she was in such despair about Bird number one. I mean, Gilda number one's leaving. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. I I don't know if that makes this part make any more sense, but there you go. (laughs) But they, yeah. So that's the context. Uh, But anyway, Bird and Gilda end up getting in bed and like, I don't know if I want to call it like they had sex, but it was definitely, I'm sorry. Okay. So if sex is on a street, what they had was on B street. Like it's like, it's adjacent. Like it was adjacent. It's very that, um, a lot of like sharing of blood and like, you know, things like that. Um, kind of like if you've seen bones and all, and maybe you haven't spoilers with Timothy mm. Chalamet and that one person who I can't remember the name of, but who's a great actress. And then, like, uh-huh. at the very end, um, you know, he's, I think he's dying for some reason, and mm-hmm. he's like, I want you to eat me. And she's like, no. But he's like, that would make me feel like I was fulfilled because they're, like, lovers. Mm. I don't, yeah, it's another, like, sex-adjacent situation here. I, I've realized in a lot of our fantasy novels we read, there's a lot of sex-adjacent. Right. <laughs> and it also, it tends to include consuming each other. Yeah. I don't... Me and Marcy have, like... This is, like, us. Here's our analysis on that blank page. We're just telling you what happened. Right. Um, and also, I kind of felt conflicted because I was like, wait, Bird, weren't you, like... I mean, one of Gilda's caretakers, like, as a child. Like, I don't know. I remember just feeling kind of like, yep. oh, but then I'm like, oh, wait, they were, like, immortal. So, like, what does that mean? mean? It's complicated. We don't have answers. We we're don't have answers. But that happened. Yeah. We're moving on. And, and like, the audience <laughs> is like, wait, but I'm like, we're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> Maybe and, in the discussion section. Right. <laughs> right. But um, basically, they're having their, you know, intimate scene um and essentially gilda at one point after they fall asleep kind of wakes up with this sense of alarm and she realizes like she's like oh shit something's not right she's like i I feel like i need to go back to the hair salon like i don't know i'm getting a weird vibe and bird's like yeah girl i'm getting a weird vibe too so they go to the hair salon and that shit is on fire Fire. so it's on fire there's like all these spectators fox is there again the that that's the pimp from earlier and he like smiles at Gilda in this like really nefarious way. So like clearly he's the motherfucker that burned the salon. Mind you, right. Toya is still in the salon. So basically yes. Gilda and Bird like run to the back. They're able to save her. Thank God. Yeah. Um, and I think this is the point where they realized he was a vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's they, where they like. That before this, they were like, oh, we could take him down easy. We could get rid of Fox for you. And then it's something they're mm-hmm. like, oh, never mind. Yeah, they're like. <laughs> we might like, need a plan. And they're like, Fox is on the same level as us. God damn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they save Toya. They take her back home. But they're like, clearly, this Fox shit ain't going to end until yeah. he's dead or all of us are dead. Like, be, like mm-hmm. basically, we Fox got to go. So yeah. the next day, the three of them, so again, that's Bird, Gilda, Toya, end up going to a diner in town and they meet up with Savannah. Now, you know, it's clear that they got to act fast because they're like, listen, Fox knows everything. He's going to find out the mm-hmm. Toya's here. Mm-hmm. We have all these like witnesses and shit. Um, Gilda actually gets this sense while they're at the diner talking about how Fox is going to find them. She's like, wait, Fox has actually currently found us and is heading towards the diner yes. as we speak right now. So they end up like escaping. Um, they like run out of the bar. There's like, they end up getting picked up by um, Savannah's boo named Skip. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's the a fi- great scene, like it's a great. Oh yeah, like, run out of the diner, and then they're running, and Savannah's like, "Go right, go left," and then they're like, they stop because they think it is Fox, but actually it's Skip, and Savannah's like, "Jump in!" and she like, right. jumps in. and Savannah's got like a fur coat and a gun. Yeah, and right. She's like, I don't know if this forty-five will take care of him, but we can try. Right. Like it's very fun. No, she's like, <laughs> I never know a man who 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 a forty-five couldn't take care of, and I'm like, and Gilda's like, Savannah, um, <laughs> I disagree, but for reasons that like it would clock me to explain why i disagree with that but right. fox is the type of bitch for oh no girl i think we're gonna need a little bit more than that um right and she was like damn like not skip part of this too child we got a party at five so anyway right. basically <laughs> she's like skip is now implicated in this bullshit so the five of them end even up we just met skip like, even we Marcy, you're like right <laughs> i'm like skip is also i guess in the car now so yeah so now it's skip savannah toya gilda bird um the five of them mm-hmm. go to savannah's house um and they're like i well and, and Savannah, for context, she lives a little bit outside the city. So she's like, they're like, okay, Fox is probably going to be here tomorrow. We should definitely make a plan, figure this shit out, right? So oh, the plan. Why do they think it's going to take Fox until tomorrow? Like, that part I- was unclear to me. Maybe it's yeah, more ceremonious. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think it was just for for effect, which we'll take it. We'll take yeah, it. well, yeah, we'll take it. I mean, Fox seems, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past them. So basically, the plan that they concoct is that, okay, once Fox gets here, uh gilda savannah and bird will essentially take him on toya and skip y'all just prepare like this getaway boat because there was like a lake Mm -hmm. or something nearby they were like just make sure that this boat is working um and we're gonna you know make this all work out right bird and gilda end up having conversations like while they're waiting for fox and they're like okay so the only way that we can actually kill fox mind you neither of them have killed another vampire before but they know that to do so they have to remove his heart and they're like, Fox the type of bitch where that's going to be hard as fuck. So we basically don't have to borderline kill him to make that even happen. So they're all just like lying in wait. They're like, okay, Fox is coming. What's going to happen? I could not, I honestly couldn't even imagine how terrifying this is um, for all yeah. of them. So the next day, Fox ends up showing up. I mean, to his credit, like basically on the dot, what they predicted. Like it yep. was like, they were like, mm-hmm. Fox will be here at 7 p.m. And Fox at 7, actually <laughs> 6.59 was like, was T. It comes in. And immediately gets into it with Gilda and Savannah. So they're like having this whole battle. Shit's flying mm-hmm. everywhere. Like it's, it's like, you know. But now here's the thing. Because before this, they've been having like a little dinner party thing. Right. And low key, it honestly sounded like a great time. Like Aqua and Marcy were sitting there kikiing, like eating right. pasta like, and everything. Right. <laughs> but then we were like, we're going to go because <laughs> we want to be here when it goes down. Yeah anyway yeah that's just some context no no it definitely it was definitely a vibe like for i mean as much of a vibe it as it could be as you're lying in wait for like what's probably the most terrifying battle of your life (laughs) like it was genuinely kind of fun like i was like like even i feel like even toya was like girl i'm low-key having fun but like i I would need fox to be gone so i can fully let my hair down (laughs) um but but thank you for mentioning that akko because at this like little dinner party kiki situation skip was like whipping up some like the shit sounded amazing it was like a fried Mm -hmm. chicken tomato sauce for like the spaghetti or whatever so he had that like going on on the stove and at one point during the battle savannah ends up taking the pot that has like the this like burning hot tomato sauce this boiling tomato sauce and like just pours that shit in uh fox's face so he's like screaming and shit she's like he's like oh my god what the fuck and mind you at this point so 
like a couple hours ago, like Gilda and Bert, they were staying in the attic um, where Skip had a little bit of like heroin left in like a syringe. And so they were like, yes. okay, we're going to inject Fox with this. That'll slow him down and that'll give us enough of an advantage to like take him down. So basically Savannah pours the tomato sauce. Fox is screaming. Bird comes out of nowhere, injects him with the heroin and he goes down essentially as planned. So at this point, Savannah, Toya, and Skip end up leaving because Savannah got injured during the battle. She like broke her arm. So they were like, you need to go to the doctor. Um, yeah. And then Bird and Gilda are like, okay, let's like remove Fox's heart, kill him officially, which they do. So the next day, um, everyone comes back. Uh, so this is five of them. And they're like, wow. Um, <laughs> that worked. That worked. Okay. And all of us are living to tell the tale. That's really wild. So like they end up like... <laughs> Does this feel like a story that Savannah tells, like over, like her oh, Savannah comes over to definitely. tell you? Definitely, she's like, and then she says something. Now, now, mind you, I think <laughs> that Fox was a vampire. Like, I right. truly think you're like, and you're saying they're like, Auntie, there are no vampires. She said, mm-hmm, "Haven't mm-hmm. seen what I seen." And then right. she's like, "I've never seen a, a 45 that couldn't take a man down." Exactly. And, like, I, like, <laughs> and then like Savannah starts like making up details and shit. She's like, "I whipped out my 45. I shot it at him. That shit just deflected <laughs> yeah. off of him." And I'm like, "Savannah, girl, that didn't even happen. Like, stop this." Um, but like, so basically, I mean, I mean, truly, like the wildest shit. And so they like all go back into town, and they like end up. I think they went back to the same diner from like the day like, or two before <laughs> and they're like laughing and shit and they're like lmao that was wild and the whole bar was like yes girl ah. um but no nobody asked questions they all know better well, than to ask questions they're like i will say none of them liked fox fox was a bad guy right he, everyone in town was like this guy we don't we don't care for Fox. <laughs> yeah, he's got to go. Um, so now at this point, they're like, okay, now that Fox is gone, we can... Also, we, we need to still make sure that Toya leaves town because, like, Fox, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, he has a lot of, yeah, just hands in the city. We just gotta, you know, make sure that all works out for her. So that was the Boston story. Now, that was in 1955, right? So 16 years later is 1971. And Gilda... with the quick math. Yeah, thank you. Now, so Gilda is now living in New York City, um, and her life has completely changed. So mm-hmm. she's living in New York City, 1971, and she's working at this historically white theater company and trying to, like, just get some black plays off the ground, right? So she's, mm-hmm. like, a stage manager, and she lives in an apartment in Chelsea. Now... Gilda has a coworker named Julius, who's like this young black man who's like, who seems like a little, little fascinated, a little smitten, a little, mm. little pressed yeah. about Gilda. And Gilda's like, <laughs> every time she like interacts with Julius, like there's like just this like miasma of feelings. And Gilda's like, mm-hmm. yes, I know that you're having a lot of feelings, but like, let's be friends. You know what's also great to feel? Friendship. We gonna be friends, <laughs> Julius. <laughs> That's what she says, but her actions do not align they with don't the words at, coming out of her At mouth. all, <laughs> at all. And so she's like, yeah, girl, like, look at me and Julius just friends. And Julius is like, I mean, literally the millisecond that you change your mind, I will, not only will I be here, I, I'll be ready. Like, I will be That's ready it. to go really with wherever, wherever you want to take this Gilda, I'm game. So Which is like low-key a little sexy on Julius. I'm not even going to hold you. It was kind of sexy. I was like, oh, wait. Where, where my Julius? Si- right? And like, then, right? And then he kept calling her sister love. I was like, I, I don't was, know what is going on. But I'm having a lot of fun right now. I was like, Gilda has a lot more self-control than I do. Because honestly, like I would have just been like, yeah, girl, like this whole ch- game of chess I'm playing. Yeah, girl, I'm going to voluntarily lose the shit. Um, but anyway, so 
Some other fun things about Gilda's life at this point. So, you know, she's in New York City and Sorel and Anthony, who are from like her mm. adventures when she was in California almost like, 100 years ago, they also live in New York City. Um, so, you know, the three of them will often link up at like this bar that Sorel and Anthony own that's actually just for vampires like on the low. So it's mm-hmm. kind of been a, a good chance to like meet other vampires. I mean, are Does most of the vampires like a, like a parallel metaphor for queerness in the 70s? Oh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> mind you, the other vampires are like mostly white, which I guess we'll just like leave unexamined. Um, now, Bird is, you know, in New Zealand at this point. At this point, she's definitely in New Zealand. She's like, well, doing well some- hold on. Before we unexamine, let's re examine. Does that maybe tell, t- you know, explain to us that like, racism wasn't really over in 1971 like if we compare this with a little literary analysis to um james baldwin's uh book that we read which name i won't remember but i won't (laughs) just above my head (laughs) just above my head Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like contemporary time periods it still seemed like segregated bars you know still same Mm -hmm. cities anyway i just wanted to point that out in that voice yeah, it was just yeah, it was just interesting the whole like vampiric like what what are like what's like the racial dynamics between vampires because for the most part whenever you read interactions mm. it doesn't seem as like vampires don't really be seeming to give a fuck about like racism necessarily sure. but also I mean there was Eleanor I mean who was fully in her white woman bag so like I don't know That's it's true. just it's a lot going on I don't know I wonder about Sorel and Anthony I do I do yeah. because it's not clear. It's not clear. And I wonder if they're doing this thing where they're like, because your vampire trumps race in our mm. minds. But that if if not, it wouldn't. I don't I don't and I feel like people do do that with certain groups, right? Like mm-hmm. you, this other sector of your pers- of your identity maybe endears me towards you. Right? I, I, identity right. is complicated, you know? Yeah. Like it's true that like different things will make you endear towards people, but I'm not the the, the book doesn't say all that. So yeah, that's we're all. I mean we're literally just speculating at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yes, so that's the thing that's happening. Bird at this point is living in New Zealand. She's like um, definitely doing some like land justice and sovereignty yeah, work really with cool. um, different indigenous groups in the area. So Bird's just you know she's traveling doing her thing, right? We also find out that Eleanor. So Eleanor, you know the mm-hmm. redhead redheaded woman that from part one that like you know Gilda was really into she actually decided to go into true death and like end her own life which brings up a lot right gilda's like Mm -hmm. it was this partially because of me like i don't know Mm -hmm. and this is something that will come up a little bit later um but anyway at this point gilda's working on a play that's going to be released soon um and julius is again just like really into her or whatever now some quick Mm -hmm. shit about julius i think is actually uh, which is important to, to name is that um he's very much kind of lonely in the world like you know he comes from i think mississippi somewhere in the south um tragically lost both of his parents he doesn't have any siblings so he feels like he doesn't really have like family necessarily um now he's really into like you know civil rights and black liberation and it it, Mm -hmm. is really inspired by you know angela davis and like other revolutionaries and so like i feel like he sees black art as liberate as liberation like he was part of like the civil rights movement it's like 1971 so that was like literally still happening but it's like also kind of slowing right like there's there's becoming more roadblocks from the government and he makes this really good point which i think we can resonate with now where he's like people stopped feeling bad and stopped giving money right um 
to these organizations. So what? Is it three years after our own racial uprising? Have people stopped feeling bad and stopped mm-hmm. giving money? What? Hmm? I don't know. Anyway, Marcy, continue. Yeah, that, like, I mean, literally happening as we speak right now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, anyway, Julius and Gilda have this, like, will they, won't they, but will they energy kind of going on. Um, mainly just because Gilda's really conflicted, right? I mean, at this point, Gilda has been alive for, what, almost 120 years. And she's kind of like... You know, I've never actually yeah. turned anyone into a vampire. I almost turned Aurelia into one, but I like kind of didn't want to at the last minute because I felt really guilty. I mean, it, it's a lot to essentially take someone's yeah life and just Humanity. make it a, right, like extend or, or it or mortality, right? And you know, just to give that immortality, but also with the social isolation that comes along with that, right? Sort of the yeah. the mandated to some level like migration you have to do constantly. Um, because like if you stay in one place for too long, people are gonna be like, Girl, you haven't aged in a hundred years. Like <laughs> like it's not even like on some like good. Oh girl, like you like this. It's like no, like you literally yeah, have yeah. not aged in a hundred years. Like that's sus. In fact, you shouldn't even be here. Right. Literally you <laughs> shouldn't you actually here? you actually shouldn't even be alive at this point. Um <laughs> which I was actually thinking about this too, as far as like formal documentation stuff. Like like what happens when Gilda needs to like, I don't know, go to the DMV and like get her ID and stuff, or like, you know, she like, I don't know, goes mm. to the doctor. Like, or, like what are like what are public records saying oh, about they're definitely compelling people's minds and like becoming their own grandkids okay great kids. okay okay i yeah. have to be because i was like there's no right. death certificate <laughs> so. well and also like think about how much easier this was in 1550 mm-hmm. than it is in you know 1971 and then in like 2020 right. like that's a much harder like much harder thing to pull off when mm-hmm. you know everything's computerized or maybe right. it's a lot easier because you just got to compel someone to change some numbers i don't know yeah right I don't right know. so yeah but um but yeah so that's kind of like the conflict she's feeling i feel like Gilda's in the space where like she does care about people but she tries not to get too attached to them um yeah. and you know with julius as she starts to get to know him more she ends up like you know taking him to this like you know social with actually i'm getting ahead of myself that did that happen later um was i in this chapter where they went to that party with sorrel and anthony I, yeah, because she turns into a vampire. So they go to the social while he's still a human. Mm-hmm. And he's like having a really good time. And he invites Sorrel and Anthony to the play. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. They and like a, yeah. They have like a cute little thing together. So basically, you know, they're getting closer. And for the first time, Gilda's like, okay, well, I think Julius, if there were a candidate to turn into a vampire, I feel like, I don't know, like this could be something that works for him. So she, you know, ends up having a couple of like, um, questionable sex scenes with him you know i'm gonna i'm gonna call it i'm gonna call it not 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 100 i'm gonna say it's less than 50 on this one yeah she knows julius likes her (laughs) she definitely he's definitely asleep when he she shows up um at his place she Mm. uses her vampire powers to like read his mind and Mm -hmm. like you know so everything about it is not okay actually i'm sorry i'm I'm sorry gilda but it wasn't it really really wasn't yeah and the book reads like julius is like i saw you in a dream and it was great and i was like mm, mm. it wasn't a dream which makes it excessively not all right right um, yeah so gilda was very i mean it was a little eleanor energy i'm not gonna lie to you yeah i'm not gonna hold eleanor. you yeah it wasn't wasn't great um and even like she turns him into a vampire and even that scene i was like was this consensual did you really sit down with julius and like break down like what exactly was gonna happen here you base this all in like one highly emotional scene in his life like 
you didn't follow up yeah. with him the next day or you know track over time like hey girl like maybe give this some thought it was it was, just, it was kind mm-hmm. of rushed i'm not gonna hold you but um it's true i but guess julius based on the book julius enjoys yeah, being yeah he's like fine so he's like That's i guess it worked out but like ew. um yeah so gilda makes julius a vampire um and then i i will say you know and maybe in the discussion section maybe we'll get into this but like there is a question of if you should is it right to turn any, like if it's not right to turn anyone into a vampire how what's enough for someone to like be like yeah you know like even if someone gives their enthusiastic consent to become a vampire like how old do you have to be to consent to being Mm, a vampire you know like how can much can you as a human really know (laughs) consent to being to like giving up your humanity you know right it's a tough question anyway that's neither here nor there yeah because well, Gilda did not do any of the things. Right. Like they're, <laughs> any yeah. of that due diligence. Right. <laughs> so anyway, um, the next story I'll have Akko get into. Oh, yeah. All right. So this time jump is like a little shorter. It's just, what, 10 years? Not even. And Gilda is like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stay in New York for a little bit. So she's there. She also has this like flatmate who like lives above her named Marcy, surprisingly, which I found very interesting. I lived. I lived. And Marcy was great. He's clearly like a queer man in the 80s and 70s. And he's just like living his best life. Like, like sickening. And just the way he talks is so endearing. Like he gives her this jacket or something. He's like, whatever, that's for you. Bye. Like, and then she's like, do you want to come to my play? And he's like, yeah. Like, it's just really cute. They're very, it's like a very cute scene. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so she, Gilda is still there, living in the same apartment. And she's since moved to this like other theater company. And it's like this dope cohort of like, black artist woman who perform mm-hmm. and support each other and it's it's kind of wonderful and amongst them is one black woman named effie who's like mysterious and tall and i don't know we can't really gauge her age and like maybe she's a vampire we don't know anyway <laughs> <laughs> spoiler she's a vampire no yeah, so literally. gilda is definitely like feeling effie and she's like i think effie feels similar but oh yeah maybe not i don't know so meanwhile like julius bird and sorella are traveling around the world doing something else completely like julius is taken to being a vampire like a fish to water oh come and on julius now. Is like wait a second we can be <laughs> like he's like we can live forever he's like we can see the end of our revolutionary turmoil like he's like super excited he's off with the bird like freeing animals and like right. rewriting constitutions and sorrell's there he's just there for the vibe sorrell no um, like sorrell is like listen the champagne in different parts of the world i have to try them also julius is like <laughs> i will learn 25 languages and see every country <laughs> that exists because girl right. i'm a mortal bitch i can what I which can. i which i will say i'm like it is interesting, like, being a vampire does kind of, like, absolve you from, like, capitalism in a lot of ways. Because, like, you can just yeah. sort of do oh, yeah. your own thing. And, like, I mean, even as far as sustenance, like, as long as there's people, you're going to be fed. You're so, fine. yeah. And, like, can you imagine, like, being like, I have all the time in all the world to see everything. Mm. I mean, come on. I, yeah. I get it. I get I get the appeal. Um, So, 
Anyway, Gilda, this, Gilda, despite their a- absence, like feels okay, and Anthony's still around, um, and so she's enjoying her life more in her community, and she's actually getting pretty attached to them as mortals. Yeah. Uh, but then there's this weird incident, and to be fair, throughout the whole story, everyone has kind of warned Gilda. They're like, "Hey, Gilda, I know that you're really attached to people, but you're actually <laughs> not a person." And she's like, "Interesting mm. that you say that. Interesting that you say that. What if?" And they're like, Mm-mm, "Actually, no. What if? No." So then <laughs> there's this weird incident where she like almost kills a black man who, when she's sucking too much of his blood, which was strange. And I think this is kind of because she's, she's not. <laughs> I think it's because she's not. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like of all the words. I love, I was like, yeah, it was like kind of strange. It's like horrified. <laughs> no, I thought it was hilarious. No, you're good. No, it was weird as fuck i was like gilda bro what are you doing like oh no yeah it was bad she almost she almost well i was gonna say it's strange because typically she has more control than that and i think part of the reason she doesn't have control is because she's blurring the lines between being human and being a vampire that's t that's t kind of similar to eleanor and to fox and to to samuel right it's not it's it's their clinging to their mortality their humanness that's making them so a little bit reckless in a way. Yeah. So she goes off to talk to Anthony about it. And Anthony is like, like, uh, Sorrel's not here. Let's break out the wine. No hey. champagne for me. <laughs> and he's like, by the way, on his like th- third glass, Samuel's back. And she's like, what? And the whole bar's like, what? We don't know who Samuel is, but what? <laughs> oh my God, that sounds dramatic. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> and Gil's like, give me the one from California with the Eleanor and the girl and the thing and the thing. And and, and he's like, mm-hmm, the one mm. from California with the thing and the thing. And, he, mm-hmm. and she's like, I thought that Sorrel and Eleanor had worked out their thing before before she did the true death and nope. he's like mm-hmm, they did they did but samuel couldn't really abide by it he was really in his feelings you know in a way that you're really connected to bird like eleanor mm. is samuel's bird and he kind of blames you for changing eleanor in a way that would make her accept the true death you know taking taking her away from him and gilda's like now i know it has not been 150 years and this man is still blaming me for his issues when i didn't kill him right and anthony's like opens up another another bottle so so she's like i don't know how i feel about this i'm gonna go hang out with my girlies and see what's up so she goes back and gilda's like and she's yes. like oh man so much has been happening so much and Gilda's, and, and Effie's like mm-hmm, so much um i'm a vampire <laughs> i will say there's nothing more cathartic than just like going to like a good judy and being like girl there is just so much going on <laughs> like, it's true it's like my it's favorite nice shit <laughs> oh my god i love that so Effie reveals that she's a vampire. <laughs> they, you know, they have not sex adjacent sex, just the regular type of sex. Yeah. <laughs> like A Street sex. Sp- right. Like all that shit. <laughs> right. um, I'm dead. Mercy. You have me cracking up. Anyway, so then um, the whole, they talk about the whole Samuel thing and Effie's like, look, can you just let Sorrel, Sorrel handle that? Like Sorrel is the one who turned Eleanor, who turned Sam, that's a family issue. Let that let them figure it out within the family. Mm. And she's like, and you're getting too attached to this mortal life. You need to remember that we are not. She's like, I know, I know, we're not human. <laughs> Anthony just told me over the fifth glass of wine. I get it. So Gilda is frustrated, but I mean, she's she like, she's like, Julius is adjusting and like Effie seems to have found her face and like, I'll figure it out. I have to figure it out. So mm-hmm. time jump. 
you know, she spends the next, what, 40 years figuring out? <laughs> yeah. New Hampshire 2020. That's right, y'all. Contemporaneous. Except not really. Not really anything contemporaneous. So she lives, oh, a little bit. She lives in New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. So in, you know, in 1980, Effie's like, come live with me. Come live with me in New Hampshire. Like, it's chill out there. We're, we're chill. So they move out there. She's taken, so Gilda's taken to writing like romance novels under the under the pen name Abby Bird. And she finds it like as a good outlet to her stories. I love it. It's this like little mm. vignette story where she's just like a romance novel writer in New Hampshire. Right. And then like Bird and Sorrell and um, Julia send like videotapes to her because it's like 1991 when this was written and they didn't know like Instagram and email would be a thing. Right. So they're sending videotapes to her like talking about their journeys um well i thought she they had like video me. phones like I, like it was like facetime oh was it i thought they were sending tapes but it's okay so it's video they're they're, they're doing facetime yeah so <laughs> uh, <laughs> not my steampunk reality i just like wrote into the story <laughs> she becomes like, <laughs> she really popular and like she finally gets in touch with nadine who's aurelia's great granddaughter who's also deaf and who also loves her books and the world's like super different mm-hmm. but not different from our reality because they have video phones and the earth's polluted and there's coastal storms yep. and overpopulation which <clears throat> oh is also God. a problem for us and famine which is all exactly what we're that's where we are that's actually where we are right now mm-hmm. um, there's no covid in this world so they missed pandemics they didn't mention that but you know you can only get 80 percent right on the test right so uh, <laughs> bird julius and sorrel still traveling um and but it's really cool because bird which is also kind of similar to real life bird has gotten into land justice movements in america and julius is fighting for the environment in iowa um Mm. so then gilda you know because she's become more famous wow this is a little on the nose anyway she's become very famous (laughs) and she's like open to more scrutiny lately and so people have been photographing her and like talking about her novel in public. And it, it's just all like a lot. And she's like, I am a recluse. I want to live a life of mystery. Right. right. <laughs> like literally so, move in silence, like on some right. literal she's shit. Like, right. I'm playing 4D. Right. <laughs> no, y'all don't see me coming. Like, what part of that do y'all not understand? Do you not understand? And Julius is like, Have you considered moving? Why do you always stay? Have you considered moving? He says on the videotape. And she's like, He's like, Come on like there's we can go anywhere have you considered going anywhere and she's like Mm. i tried crossing the ocean but it felt like there's no passage again i don't want to i don't know so julius is like all right well sister love do what you want to do so then she finally decides you know what i'm giving it all up so she basically deads her abby bird character makes up a story for the media Mm -hmm. and ends that that life that abby bird life sheds it like skin and she's like hey Mm -hmm. effie and effie's like "Mm -hmm," like reading the newspaper but actually it's not a newspaper maybe it's the phone or maybe it is a newspaper because it's a steampunk novel we don't know right (laughs) and she's like i'm gonna go head out i'm just gonna go travel around and effie's like i've been telling you to travel this whole time so she's like all right and she's like i'm out and you're like, oh man, this is gonna be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, Gilda on the road. Uh-huh. Traveling yes. In the near future. You better yes. get that passport get... stamp. Yes. Come <laughs> right. on now, Gilda. So much to Where do. Where are we going first? <laughs> <laughs> we get to 2050 and oh. the world is in shambles. That's right, y'all. Shambles. <laughs> the whole world, which is actually, we're on track to be <laughs> yeah. in 2050. So that's mm-hmm. great. So basically, hell's broken loose. Um, the world is just a waste from climate destruction. <laughs> the rich have either escaped to space 
Remember, this is from 1991, y'all. Have oh my god! Space, or they've started hunting vampires to prolong their life. Yeah. Which so, I'm sorry, real quick. I'm like the earth is crumbling. I'm sorry. Who is signing up for eternal life who? on this? Like I know. You I know don't. what it is, right? It's like you. If it, okay, so in, in my thinking, if there's an apocalypse, time becomes a commodity because then you can wait out the despair, mm. right? And before this, living was a commodity, and so like for. But for like a marginalized person who's who the apocalypse is ever present for, right? You're mm. waiting it out and you get to see the future play out and see right. things change in the positive. Mm. So then when everything's an apocalypse, even the rich are like that that becomes the most valuable thing. To- if, if, you know. Anyway, so that's my um <clears throat> barbershop analysis. So the rich have escaped into space. <laughs> the, um, the vampires are using that. capitalism to live forever. <laughs> oh my god! And Gilda's like hiding out in caves. And there's this like plot where someone named Houston is trying to save her and doesn't turn her over and yada yada. But it's not that important. Yeah. And then she actually, before everything went south, went to visit Nadine, and they kikiked for a while, had a great time, mm-hmm. and it made Gilda feel really good about her choice not to turn um ariella because it was Mm -hmm. like okay actually she was happy with her life and nadine was born and that was good and she's like awesome i made a good choice so you know sometimes you live long enough to see your choices um which i will say real quick i don't know if like as a vampire you can like reproduce like is that i don't think so yeah that's what i was thinking how you reproduce i think it's by turning people that's why like the bird the bird gilda scene they also like framed it as a birth anyway we don't need to go back to that story we can stay right where we are yeah we're gonna stay right (laughs) here Mm -hmm. right here here. so anyway um (laughs) so the other vampires have been traveling so that's effie julia sorrel and anthony they uh, they've been and bird they've been traveling they just have to be more careful now because you know Mm -hmm. the rich are being are literally trying to eat everyone right um so The plan becomes that everyone's going to link up and they're going to go to Machu Picchu where Bird's been hanging out doing some like land stuff. And they're just going to stick it, stick it out together and wait it out till like the world becomes, you know, not this. So right. Gil sets out on her journey and discovers a woman on the brink of death named Hermes. Hermes? Mm-hmm. Hermes. Sure. Hermes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she basically attempts to take her life because the weight of climate despair was so much for her. Oh, what? Is that also something that's highly relatable to us now? I think so. Yum. And Gittle's like, wait, um, I know this is weird because I really actually don't like turning people because I'm afraid of the long-term consequences of my actions. But considering how we're in the apocalypse and no one else thought about the long-term consequences of their actions up to this point, mm-hmm. and a strange reversal, it actually would be kind of hopeful for you to be a vampire and see this all get better. And Aramis mm-hmm. is like, yeah, no, I, that, I also think that. And she's like, okay, well, do you want to do that weird vampire ritual ceremony that makes very little sense and is vaguely described in this book? And Aramis mm-hmm. is like, I feel like you haven't given me a lot of context for what's about to happen, <laughs> but sure, I'm down. So, <laughs> they do the thing and they're like all right well we're gonna head over to Machu Picchu if you want to come and she does so it's Gilder and Aramis and they encounter mm-hmm. Julius and Effie along the way and you know for the first time in a long time things might be okay yeah and uh that's that's the end of the book that's, that's the end it. of the Gilda stories for now yes. anyway mm-hmm. yeah uh, All right, beautiful friend. Well, should we <laughs> should we join SJW again? Yes, we're gonna jump off, and when we come back, it'll be a real true blue book club. <laughs> oh, cannot wait. Okay, see y'all in a bit. 
And our friends are back. <laughs> Everybody's <Yeah>. back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? This is like, um, like we said, this is a real book club now. That, that's right, y'all. This is a real book club. We have <laughs> our <laughs> cucumber sandwiches and tea, and mm-hmm. we are definitely gossiping about the neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so the first question on the list is, which character did y'all most identify with in the book? I know immediately, so I don't <laughs> mind going. Um, I don't know, y'all. I really fucked with Julius. Um not, not necessarily I'm in not the surprised. initial courtship with like you know him and Gilda, but like just like who Julius became as far mm. as like traveling the world, learning twenty five languages, literally just riding on the wave of vibes. I was like, Julius is the most vibey bitch I think I've read in a book <laughs> in a minute, and I really resonated with it. Like I was just like, I'm like, you're like artistic and shit. Mm-hmm. You like write plays and shit. Oh, Julius, I was like. I don't know. I I mean, is some of this partially motivated by the fact that I would likely be attracted to Julius? Maybe like a hair, you know, maybe like slightly there was like a relationship there. But for the most part, really, like, I feel like he embodied like a free spiritedness or like an, a sense of adventure that I really loved. But it was also like kind of a socially conscious sense of adventure like it's like you're traveling but you're also trying to like yeah. take all of this extra time that you do have to like enact some kind of like social good or, or equity. So I was like, yeah. Oh no, I kind of I I liked I really like Julius's vibe. So I would definitely say that yeah, he probably resonated the most with me. I can say that for you, Marcy. Because also, well, beside the character that was actually named Marcy in the book, mm-hmm. I feel like Julius Also Marcy in the book. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like that was definitely you. But um I also feel like the way that Julius like collects stories and folklore, that really resonates mm. like with your love of art and and wanting art as like art as a way to see people, you know. I mm. see that. Yeah, no, and Julius. And one thing that I did notice, um, Gilda was like, you know, despite the fact that Julius has lived in every continent, speaks eight hundred languages, like he is still so loyal to like black slang and just like expressing himself. However, and I'm yeah. like, period, love that. No, I yeah. So, thanks, Fred. I I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what about y'all? Who 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 did who did y'all resonate with? Julius was a good one. Um, I was like, I hesitated because I was flipping through, like, wait, who the fuck were all the characters? Then I realized I'm <laughs> stupid because I know exactly who it was. Uh, I forgot about Sorrel and Anthony for a minute. Mm. Anthony. Anthony is the one. Mm. I don't know if I'm like him in any way, but I was thinking from like Gilda's perspective, I was like, if I was Gilda, I would be third wheeling it on Sorrel and Anthony for the rest of time. Because <laughs> mm. I found the parts where she was with them to be like so soothing and like reassuring. And they just mm. felt like such chill family. And like mm. Sorrel was cool, but just whenever she was with Anthony, I really felt to me like she was home and calm mm-hmm. and safe and with friends. And I was, even when he wasn't in the story, I was always thinking back to him. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like how he, well, I love Sorrel and Anthony, Sorrel yeah. X Anthony as a couple, first hey, of all. Uh, They're ooh. so sweet. Um, mm-hmm. But I also just like how he just kind of, he has his role and he's quiet and he sits in the background and has the things that he finds important and interesting and has a definite moral point of view, but, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of reserves his words until someone wants to hear them or needs to hear them. Mm. And I just really enjoyed him as a character. 
Yeah. Anthony was so good. I also, I think he was one of my favorite characters, but since I can't choose the same one, <laughs> I'm going to go with Effie because, hey. yeah, so she like shows up and is like, when are we banging? And <laughs> like, <laughs> Gilda's like, I don't know if we should bang. And she's like, um, why are you being so hard to get? We're both vampires. Let's just bang. <laughs> and then like five minutes after they bang, she's like, also just move into my New Hampshire home. Like, girl, why are we still here? <laughs> <laughs> and then we like never see her. <laughs> <laughs> like like accidentally iconic. iconic. No, literally iconic. Yeah, just oh. like the instant sugar mama. Here I am. This is how it is. Mm. I was like, wow, you really just gotta love someone who knows what they want in their life. Like, oh, no. right. right. <laughs> She's like, move into my house. Also, I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly, goals. Absent sugar mama, awesome. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Even with Paco, what was the original question? Because I've gotten it confused <laughs> in my head, and I'm not sure if you asked originally who is our favorite character or who do we identify with, and it might be different. It's who you identify with, but you okay. can answer as you please, as you. Yeah, I still identify with Effie because giving people free stuff that's nice that they deserve. Mm. I love that. Ooh. I would definitely do that. That's wrong. Yeah. Well, I think for me, it's Anthony also. Like, not to steal Veronica's, <laughs> but it's for different reasons. Like, Anthony, to me, was like the qu- the quiet, like, kind of shady bitch. Like, he was a little bit shady. <laughs> like, And <laughs> I can definitely identify with, like, you're always going to be there for your friends with some advice and, like, a little bit of a raised eyebrow of, like... <laughs> All right, like you're making your decisions and I don't approve, but I'm going to say my piece and like move on. And, you know, I I identify with that because I don't really believe in giving people unsolicited advice, except in like really extreme circumstances. And I'm not someone that's just going to like harp on things. So Mm. like I identify with that, like kind of like Veronica said, know your role, like as a friend, you're there to support the other person, not control them. Um, Mm. And I really like the way that Anthony kind of embodied that both in his, even in his relationship with Sorrel, Sorrel, how are we saying his name? Um, Sorrel? I guess. Yeah. The audio book said Sorrel, but we should do what the audio book says. Well, that's yeah. definitely canon. So. <laughs> so I even like in his relationship with Sorel, who's like older than him and was his sire, like he was always willing to be shady towards Sorel when the situation <laughs> called for it and be like, yeah, you're being a snotty little bitch, but uh, still love you. Uh, and I, I appreciate that. I identify with that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Anthony had a really, I, I your guys' take on Anthony, I think is really strong. There's something about him feeling like home but not like a not like a not like home in like the sense that you you use someone or take them for granted or that that person doesn't mm. have their own identity but home in a sense that like you you know you'll feel okay hanging out with them you'll feel safe mm-hmm. i i totally yeah. feel that i i think my favorite character okay the one i identify with the most it, it's probably like a, a toss-up between gilda and bird but the reason i choose bird is because 
if I could go around just like doing land and environmental rights um, <laughs> across the world, like that is actually, <laughs> that would actually mm-hmm. make me so happy. Like that, that was the only thing I was doing was just like helping cultivate the earth, even though I'm terrified of bees. But if I was a vampire, <laughs> I wouldn't be. Look at that. <laughs> I wouldn't be afraid of being stung because I'm a vampire. Mm-hmm. I live forever. Because you're immortal. Well, you, I'm immortal. <laughs> well, and you wouldn't be out during the day. So. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, the bees logistically it works out. The bees right. couldn't even get me. Can't touch me. 4D chess became a vampire too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Caught the bees slipping. They knew <laughs> the bee community is like you really thoughts, and they're like they're doing too right. much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! They're like, wow, you really went to such lengths to like avoid. Like, I mean, how often was it really going to happen? Right, you were right. Stung by one of us. Like, you became a whole vampire <laughs> to avoid the off chance that you might get stung. Feels like a choice, but whatever. We're gonna move on. Um, Feels like a choice, but I will say my other thing is there's something really anti-capitalist about being able to first of all, like, just about the amount of time you don't have to spend on capitalist pursuits Mm -hmm. Mm. and then there's something revolutionary about where you spend your longevity because to be able to spend your longevity on something is a type of value and to do that for minorities people of color queer folks the environment i mean how much of the world would you change if you spent Mm. 200 years like going around helping oppressed people like get their land ownership and like teaching kids and like smashing oppression like but through like cultivation of community and love and you don't have to worry Mm. about getting shot by like the government because you're a vampire (laughs) right I, that's why I always wonder about like Twilight and like True Blood and everything. I was like, why don't you y'all do some good? Like you could change things. And I really like Bird for that exact reason and Julius and all of them. But Bird, I feel like is the first one you sort of see in the story doing it because that's exactly what she spends her life doing. And I, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's my sentimental answer. <laughs> Although no. my chaotic answer is Eleanor. <laughs> oh wait do tell i just feel like i at first when i read it i was like man eleanor is kind of the worst but then i thought when they talked (laughs) about the fact that like she didn't really ask to be changed and i think there's actually a lot of like similarities between her hesitancy and gilda's and like what like i feel like i'm very i can be very rageful so if i happened to become a vampire without like my consent i can imagine me like being kind of like chaotic like a very azula-esque mm. um, hey. <laughs> best yeah. character best character mm-hmm. so that's my thought anyway uh, i, love I actually I agree love with that. that eleanor was my favorite character um not the one i identified with i don't think i'm that <laughs> fabulous but uh she was my favorite character mm. yeah i mean if nothing, I mean, people were talking about her, you know, like Eleanor was never not a relevant oh, point wait. of conversation. You know, though, I forgot about Savannah. Savannah was- I love Savannah. Oh, Savannah was the tea. You're right. Savannah was great. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I wanted to say her, but I don't think I identify with her. I think I just admire her a lot. Yeah, mm. I agree with you. I don't have. I, yeah, I agree. I don't have like she's got moxie like to be yeah. a human to go up against a vampire with a pan of spaghetti. And win? and win girl mm. oh come on mm. <laughs> in a fur coat girl it was kind of wild because like i feel like savannah did more in that fight than bird did and yes. i was like that's 
I'm like, Bray, I'm like, Bird is a whole vampire and was like, I got the syringe ready, but otherwise, like, I'm in the cut. I was like, Savannah was like, in the fray mm-hmm. and lived to tell it the tale. Like, it's just so wild. Mm-hmm. Um, Fox ended up with a heart removed. She just broke her arm. I'm like, I mean, Savannah, honestly. That's what I'm I, saying. Yeah. yeah. No, if yeah, she if was I dope. get to the end of my life and it's as exciting as that, like, I'm good. You know, yeah. I don't even need That's to be real. a vampire. Yes. Savannah yeah. is like living her life harder than all these vampires even. Like yeah. not mm. not even freed from want like they are. Like she's got a career she's not ashamed of in sex work. She's got tight friends that she relaxes to the fullest extent with. She's got yeah. her kids that she loves. She's got her mm-hmm. tiny boy toy boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, she's sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, she's chilling. Yeah. And I, That's I, so interesting. You know, the tone of all the scenes out there, even like they're in a, like a really serious situation, right? Like Fox is coming for them. And then they're, they're in the car. And because Savannah's there, they're just like cackling, laughing, making pasta. Drinking. Yeah. She, yeah. yeah. Anyway. I did actually have another question that kind of relates to this slightly. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to ask the question. It's, it's low-key two different questions. So, like, sorry if this is, like, word soup. But, like, <laughs> something that I thought was interesting in the book was that, you know, with Gilda being a vampire, you know, there's this constant tension of, like, to what degree do I want to engage with people? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, feeling the need to always sort of separate yourself from, you know, those around you. And I was curious, like, I guess how that landed for you all both is like, you know, I mean, none of us are vampires, but like, is like, did y'all find that relatable? Um, and if you were a vampire, do you feel like you would approach your life differently? Do you feel like mm-hmm. you would like, what would be your kind of your philosophy? I, we, we touched on this a little bit, but I'm just curious um, if anyone had any extra thoughts on that second piece. So first, did we find Gilda's like struggle to connect relatable? Second, if you were a vampire, do you think you would move with a different philosophy? I thought it was really interesting how um, even though I identify the most with Anthony, how Mm -hmm. everyone kept telling Gilda not to do that, not to connect with people and to like separate herself. And that might be the way that vampires do it. But it seemed to me like it was the right choice for her to stay connected Mm -hmm. to people because as Mm -hmm. soon as she listened to them and disconnected she started to like stagnate and became a recluse basically Mm. and then she did everything she could to still connect with them through writing so i think there's like an alternate story for her that could have gone like staying connected to people and it would have been difficult because you know you don't live and die with them Mm. but I would be curious to see what came of that. I do not think that I would do that, though. I think this is how Mm -hmm. I most identify with Anthony, that I would probably connect with my core people and stay with them and Mm -hmm. be with them through thick and thin. Same. Is that the phrase? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you say your people, do you mean like other vampires or? Yeah, just like whoever my people are. For him, it's Sorrel and his Mm -hmm. family. But yeah. For you, it's Monte who forced you to be a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's basically what I already did. Like, I've known these two since middle school. (laughs) Yeah, the only thing we're missing is like eternal life and lots of strength. And we just don't have to drink nearly as much blood. Or champagne. (laughs) 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 I think I, too, would probably... uh, kind of a homebody so 
I love traveling and doing new things, but mm-hmm. I would definitely want to do it with the same people mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we like do our own thing for a while, but then we come back. It's like chill. There's no rules. Mm-hmm. And I probably make the occasional human friend. But at the same time, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think... Like, are you missing out, you know? Right. I think that um, as you experience life, like, more... As you experience more and more life, it becomes a lot harder to connect with people who haven't experienced that. Like even I'm mm. 31 years old and I find it very difficult to even understand what goes through the head of someone who's 20. So I can't imagine <laughs> being like mm. an 80 year old person and still connect with people who are like in their 30s and 40s. Like you've experienced half as much life as me. Like I don't see how mm. I, I'm not sure what the connection is, but within um like in this book, the way that I, I don't remember where it was. I think it was when she was trying to reconnect with the world after becoming a writer, um, where she, no, it was, uh, it was in the same area as Savannah, where she was like, she sees the people from her past lives in the people that she meets in her current life, like in the present, mm. um, so I don't know, maybe it actually wouldn't be that hard as you're like, meeting so many new people kind of moving on from them because you have to because they die or they will notice that you're not getting any older even though it's been 20 years or whatnot like maybe it would actually be a lot Mm -hmm. easier to connect with people as an immortal than it would be now as a mortal Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe once you hit a certain number of years and people that you've met then you start to see the past people and everyone around you yeah, mm. that's really beautiful. Yeah. I think it speaks to possibly also Gilda's character, especially like mm-hmm. to me, as she went forward in these time periods, she honestly felt like she was getting younger to me rather than older. Ooh, and, that's real. Yeah, I agree. Maybe it's because the first story was like so existential with the passing of the previous Gilda and sort of the doomy sort of feeling you got from that. But like every new era she was in, she felt like she was getting younger. So I think she was kind of connecting more with the world the longer she lived up until yeah. the time she became a recluse. And maybe that has to do with her origin and how, you know, traumatic and life or death, the start of her life was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, oh, she was like an interesting character amongst everyone. Like else. a Benjamin Button situation. Yeah. No. Yeah. The story was a lot like a closed circle. Just in the way that, like, she started out as a runaway enslaved person, and then she, you know, at the end of the story, she's also running away from not necessarily slavery, but still bounty hunters and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like her life up at that point was composed a lot of fear. And then she found, um, you know, she found her family in that kind of assuage that fear the same way that it did originally when she found Gilda One. Yeah. <laughs> Gilda Prime. Yeah. Yeah, Gilda Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Gilda Prime. Oh my God, I can't. Um no, y'all bring up some really beautiful points. No, I this is interesting because I feel like reading Gilda's story, I I mean, I'm like 
I guess well, shit. When this episode comes out, I'll basically be thirty, right? And so, like, it's like I mean, I've lived a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what Gilda has lived. But I feel like even the like constant redefinition, going somewhere else, traveling a lot. I feel like that's something I can definitely relate to. Yeah. Um, and sort of that tension of like, especially if you know you're not going to be somewhere for like particularly long. Like, sort of like, what's the like, to what degree do I want to fully invest? Because it's only just going to make it harder to leave. Mm. Um, I feel like I've sort of landed on, like, not getting too caught up in the temporal, like, how long am I going to be here? And, like, almost doing a mathematical, like, translation to, like, the degree to which I'll care about being there. You know, it's like, okay, even if I'm only here for, like, a year or whatever, like, I mean, it's still part of my life, right? So, like, I, I, I want to be invested in, in, to the extent that I want to be invested in my life in a general sense. Um, and it's interesting because I think um, as far as if I were a vampire, yeah, I feel like that would be mad fun to have, like, a group of, like, maybe, like, five, like, five of us. Like, we go to, like, a new city maybe every, like, 20, 30 years um or like a different region and we're just like okay like we can always at the end of the day we can always link up like we can always <laughs> link up um you know we all have our you know our own lives we do our own thing and like but also i i mean i know me and like i mean literally pisces like i feel like i would get caught up like i'd be like oh my god these humans are so great like what if we just <laughs> stayed um and like i don't know i feel like i try to like i, I feel like there was a lot of like um interesting sort of like coming out parallels in, in the story as far as like how to you know like almost a vampire identity being sort of similar or sharing similarities to the sort of like a queer or trans lived experience and like i don't know like i feel like i was kind of like like how do you gauge for that right like how do you like build relationships with people and be like okay like if i tell them that i'm a vampire like are they gonna like freak the fuck out like like you know what's gonna <laughs> that happen nice, yeah. um and so I feel like I would try, I, I feel like if I gazed in a person, like, hey, like, you may not want to become a vampire, but, like, just FYI, I'm a vampire. Like, is it gravy? Is it cool? Like, I'm not going to suck your blood, I promise. I'm not reading your <laughs> mind. Like, Y'all, we can't I feel like there's a community I'm not right reading your mind. I feel like I would blow up the spot. Yeah. I feel like, you know, at the end when they're like, yeah, there was hunters and like, they're like hunting all the vampires. Like if I was in the story, they'd be like, yeah, this actually happened like 150 <laughs> years prior to that because Marcy <laughs> ran that mouth, ran that fucking mouth. And now look at us, hunted, persecuted, dying. <laughs> Just because you wanted to make a friend, bitch. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Anyway, no, like I, I might be the single handed fall of the vampire race. <laughs> but um, yeah. Akko, what do you think? <laughs> Not you twirling your <laughs> scarf. I can't. Um, oh my god. <laughs> I think that so for me, you know, I think Marcy and I were kind of similar in that. Like, I, I have traveled a, lot, a not a lot, but a decent bit, and I've yeah, I, I mean a lot. Even in the U.S., I change locales pretty frequently, and I don't think I have a very strong geographic identity, um, mm -hmm. whatever that means. So I do think I would take to it, kind of like Julius. Um, and I, I do, I would love to see the world. And, you know, on a, like a sentimental note, not to get like too sentimental, you know, there, there are months or like 12 months that have felt like a whole lifetime to me, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. and for better or for worse. And for the ones that I loved, I did not want it to end. So it would be nice to have spent a whole life with someone and then to be able to do that again and again and again. I oh, think so beautiful. that might be heavenly. Yeah. So, mm. so, so yeah. In the one count I would, I feel like I don't mind getting attached 
and having to leave because as a human, I have to do that anyway, but I don't get to see you to the end of your life. And then it makes mm. me sad. <laughs> so now I would mm. just see you to the end of your existence and I just go on my merry way on to another one. And I think that would actually be, that would solve one of my biggest <laughs> life heartbreaks. <laughs> so mm. I guess I would be a happy vampire except for the blood part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I could opt for anything else, I'm like, can I just drink pineapple juice every day? <laughs> and they're like, that's, why would that be the subject? <laughs> Doesn't even wow. what? <laughs> like, girl, are you serious? No, you cannot go down to the Publix and like replenish <laughs> yourself as a vampire. Are you fucking kidding me? Um, I love how you were like, I don't even have to have fresh pineapple, like, just from the right. Like, actually, I'll just drink concentrate. That's fine. <laughs> like, just, oh my god, that's so funny. Um, I did want to ask you all though. Were there any like questions that you all had, or any themes that you all sort of wanted to bring up as you all were reading through the book? So one of the things that stuck out to me a lot in this book, because so in our podcast, we talk a lot about superhero comics. Um, That's primarily Mm. what we talk about. And in superhero comics, mind reading is like just a normal thing that a lot of superheroes do. And in this book, I enjoyed the take on telepathy, mind reading, whatever. And like the way that they use that as um, to explore the theme of intimacy and just the way that mm. all the vampires that are part of this family, like they're always with each other. They can always tell what the other is thinking and just how like extremely vulnerable that makes them. Um, mm. You know, they're still very powerful. And it seemed like there were some vampires who could prevent that from happening. But for the most part, they were just all very vulnerable with each other, which I think really um enhance that theme of like found family because they were just always mm. in each other's heads and it seemed like distance didn't really matter either uh i think she communicates mm. with bird while bird is in new zealand or something at some point in the story mm. um so i thought that was really interesting but then i was also like the way that they just like casually read the minds of people around them and stuff i was kind of like <laughs> you know like on the one hand, like the intimacy that they have with each other is great. But on the other hand, like my thoughts are mine and I would not appreciate somebody <laughs> like coming in, mm-hmm. biting me and like implanting <laughs> a thought into my head, even if it's a good one, like mm-hmm. fuck off. Like my mind and my problems are my <laughs> mind and my problems. Like I do not want you to solve them for me in this like exchange that I never agree to. <laughs> what the fuck like (laughs) they pass by your room and they're like nah never mind like (laughs) yeah Bonte's like not feeling it right oh my this guy wants to be left alone yeah I will fucking hunt you down and (laughs) right well insert the thought that you want people to read your mind and solve all your problems Jesus like honestly (laughs) that is no yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that I mean, is, we mentioned that in our first part one. We were like, is it ethical at all? Like, they're like, we do this exchange where we give you confidence. And you're like, all right, hold on. I didn't ask you to solve my anxiety. I didn't right. ask you. You know, you mm. just showed up. So I, I think there is there is something to be said about it. And we're reading this from the vampire's perspectives where they're like, don't mm-hmm. worry. We sure, yeah, like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, right. The vampire said it was okay. <laughs> right. So it's fine. 
Also, I'm sorry. If we talk to um, old boy in the car, the guilt <laughs> literally almost sucked dry. I'm sure he will be like, I was in my car, chilling, listening to The Temptations, and I literally was fighting for my life this next second. What the fuck? Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I actually... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, to your point about superheroes, right, that it's like a similar a similar moral conundrum, right? Like you now have all this power to do these things. It almost puts you outside of like the human experience. So what's your obligation to people, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, but what were you going to say? I was going to say, I thought that the story was going to kind of explore that a little bit when, so when Gilda meets the male sex worker on the docks or something while she's in Manhattan mm-hmm. and she, um, she like makes the exchange or whatever with him, but it the language that was used and like the scene was just a lot more violent than it usually is mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And it de- it definitely seemed like he was not like she probed his mind or whatever, and it seemed like he did not want any of that. Like he just didn't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought they were going to explore that a little bit more of just like the morality of it, but it kind of went in a different direction. Um, but yeah. did you so? I guess this is my question of, about that scene specifically. Oh. Like, was it actually different from the other ones, or was that just something that I read into it? No, I think you're <laughs> completely right. I, I, well, okay, sorry. I will say, from my perspective, I got that take as well when I read it that I found it markedly different than mm-hmm. the other scenes because I feel like Same. she was doing it because she couldn't figure out something else in her life. Kind of like we do as humans, but as a vampire, which is actually similar. And this is the part where I was like, eh, this is very Eleanor-esque behavior here. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that is what people that that is what makes us villainous is when we we just we are justified in our own heads about what we're doing. We might take it out on someone or something with less power. But when you're a vampire, something with less power that you like want your fix from is like a human. Whereas for me, it's like a burger. (laughs) 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 But yeah, like, yeah, right. (laughs) Like that's, that's like that, that is what I I agree with you. It did have a completely different take. Um, And I think that's maybe, maybe that's what Anthony and the rest were warning about, about being too connected with humans is that you do start to feel like you have access to them in a way that you, you can no longer really have access to because the power dynamic is different. I don't know, but I agree with you that the take was, was different. The tone was different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely agreed. Um, Yeah, it definitely to me spoke to this necessity of being like, I guess more grounded. I mean, that's exactly, I mean, that's exactly what you just described, but like almost like having, making sure that like, which is interesting, right? Because it's like, if you're moving through life, especially if you're going through life, like, you know, at such a longer duration than everyone else, like, how do you how do you move with such a sense of groundedness the entire time, seeing mm. shit change around you constantly, you know? Like, I mean, I, I imagine I would always be thinking about something or another. So it's like, from a moment's distraction, I end up killing somebody by myself, you know? Like, it's like, yeah. how do you, what does that even look like? That kind of like, uh, I, I guess, necessity of being present in, in, a, in a space like that. So... Yeah, but no, it definitely felt very different. I also, when I first read it, I was like, did Gilda just kill that person? And then I reread <laughs> it and I was like, okay, I don't think she did, but like, 
Yeah. That wasn't great. I think also there was something about also like him walking around and like just being clearly awake that also I think read differently. Cause like when someone's like asleep, it's like, okay, like, you know, you slip into their dreams or whatever. But like, I mean, this person saw her, she yeah. like chased him. It, it just felt very, I was like, this is not, yeah, this ain't it. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think it was a good thing in the book. It was a good technique in the book to show, you know, it would be great if they were all just like really wonderful vampire people. But like, <laughs> you know, like, they, like that's, I, I mean, look, I, I'm a saint. I, I've never done anything wrong. Same. <laughs> Correct. I, and mm-hmm. I've never had to grow as a person. <laughs> Yep. At the expense Literally of perfection. Yeah. Yet. So <laughs> I'm not saying me, but some people I hear have that problem. And, and no, right. but yeah. So I think there's there is that 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 developmental curve, right? Of of becoming. Um mine is not necessarily like a direct answer to Monte's question, but it's sort of just like the themes I was kind of picking up on this topic, like I'm sitting here thinking about them, and I thought these were two separate ideas, but they're kind of coalescing for me. That, like, I found it really interesting how they kind of discussed the things that vampires do, such as feeding, uh, living a long time, uh, creating more vampires. In It was sort of an interesting allegory or comparison to the sort of, like, biological urges that humans have, mm. and then we contextualize them to have more of like a spiritual or moral meaning um, Mm. because we're like intelligent creatures. So like the way they talked, especially about creating new vampires to like become your family and bond with you, it felt not like justification isn't the right word, but the way that you understand the urges that you have that are more animalistic. Like Mm. it seemed like you still sort of have when you're a vampire, a procreational urge And it speaks to something deeper within you that, like, satisfies you spiritually. And so you kind of create this philosophy around it. And the other idea that I was thinking about, which now I think might sort of result from that, a lot of the other things they talked about reminded me of, um, we just did a season on Wonder Woman, who Mm -hmm. has her origins in, like, kink and uh, BDSM and, like, this idea of loving submission like those Mm. ideas kind of kept coming back to me especially amongst the vampires and how they really like give each other over to one another and Mm. like when bird came back uh there was Mm. talk of like gilda's like i don't know if she's literally going to kill me um but i'm okay with it because i'm I love her and this is an act of loving submission for me. And it seemed like there was a lot of interplay on that, that sort of theme between the vampires. And it was interesting how that kind of transferred to the way that the vampires who had a good philosophy that they had like reasoned out treated humans, Mm. but it was sort Mm -hmm. of because the humans didn't consent to it. It was still sort of like a justification of inherent biological urges. Mm. so not really a coherent answer to Monte's no, question that was, but just the that ideas that kind of spawn when I thought about his question that was beautiful I just will say that <laughs> if someone asks me to become a vampire but then they refuse to define what the rules are before mm. turning me into a vampire like they didn't do that for the sake of 
you know, chiming in the book. But like, part of me is like, did you tell Julius that he can't go outside during the day? Like, <laughs> yeah. before you just turned him? Like, didn't even I don't even know if to you think did. about it, really. Like, here's, here's the offer. We're going to do this now or we're not going to do it. <laughs> right. And even when she was turned, she's like, I just want to stay with you guys forever. They're like, okay, well, I guess that means you're a vampire now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which like, is guys. why the philosophy of loving submission is interesting, but I do not think necessarily it's any kind of correct or morally <laughs> the exact right thing for everyone to do, because I also would mm. not just on the spur of the moment with nothing explained to me, lovingly submit to a life changing Right. right. Oh, under yeah. hypnosis also. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Under literal hypnosis. Yeah, there's a right. lot of there's a lot of pieces to this that you're like, this is not a hundred. This is not. 100. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was gonna say too, there is like a parallel though. So in a really cool way, in an, and in a terrifying way, but like when you have a kid, right? Like so when you when someone has a kid, like they're not they're not like they're grown, but they're not grown grown. You know, like you, mm-hmm. we got friends with kids, like they're grown, but yeah, okay. So like <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and you don't know what do you tell your you know I have a niece and nephew what do I tell them about being alive I, <laughs> I, enough and then like they have to work it out for the rest of their lives and I the right. older I get with my parents I'm like same thing like they're like yeah I brought you here yeah I turned you into a vampire do I know the entire implications of my decisions no like you're here now mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and and I True. Have, granted so I people think- are like don't have kids for that reason but you know I I don't think it's out of the norm of like the human. Yeah, I think it was a really insightful, yeah, like allegory of human Hmm. biology and the things we do Mm. and the way we reason it out. Yeah, like, right. This is why I really like your point about making meaning out of biological needs. And then also I liked it because it gave queerness space to be in the same space as it, right? Like Sorella and Anthony also procreate. Like they also may may or may not make mistakes, you know, Gilda Prime. <laughs> and, you know, like it, it, I like that it gave a lot of that space, especially written in 1991. I'm sure, I mean, even now it felt like it gave space, but in the mm. time period it's written, it's, I feel like it gave even more space in the way that I found. Impressive. I wanted to ask one last question. When reading this book, do you feel like there's anything we as humans could learn from the vampires it, to like implement in our human non-infinite lives? Um, like I was talking about before uh, with the hypnosis, despite the consent issue, I do kind of appreciate um, the making decisions without having it all figured out thing because Mm. I am a chronic overthinker decision paralysis and stuff and I enjoyed Mm -hmm. the idea of like sometimes not to this degree this is obviously like hyperbole of I'm gonna throw away my mortality and become a vampire (laughs) on the spur of the moment but that sometimes you just kind of have to take the take the leap um if if it's if your experience is really speaking to you of what it wants you to do mm. i love that i love that definitely resonate with that too <laughs> i would say um this book definitely had me thinking a lot about just like 
I mean, we don't really think about it as like a privilege or, or maybe actually, I don't want to speak for everybody, but even just like the ability to age with people um, mm. to like kind of have this collective like arc of what our lives look like as far as these different developmental stages. I think we, and you know, we live in such a youth obsessed culture where there's like kind of a resistance to getting older and, and to sort of like, you know, what that means um, as far as, you know, beauty and and, and, and and worth and all these different things. And it's like, I don't know, like, I think it's kind of, and, and I think for myself, I've also struggled with, you know, how often, I mean, I mean, operating under fucking capitalism. Sometimes it's like, you know, as, you know, I age and as my friends also get older, like it feels sometimes like, oh, like there's these different social pressures that weren't always there that like, I don't always mm. necessarily even love that like they exist. Um, to, that makes me in some ways seek out more of a like like really embrace i guess kind of what's what might be considered a bit more like you know sort of childish ways of like thinking or, or envisioning the world or um putting it in, in in a framework and i think that yeah this book made me really think about how like yes things change of course as you get older but like i am part of this collective arc with other people yeah. that like you know Perhaps, you know, the the relationships in my life have the elasticity to, you know, withstand these different Not changes. Um, you got to bring it back. <laughs> got to bring back a relationship elasticity. I'm really trying to coin that. But like, you know, like that it, that they do have the range, right, to 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 weather these different changes and stuff. And, and I don't know, there's something kind of cool about being part of like, I guess, that sort of story. Yeah. Like this sort of finite thing with these other people, you know. Um, and maybe, yeah, just think much more of, about about sort of how I exist in like a broader collective era. Um, mm. So, yeah. I really loved uh, the part of this book about like the layers and themes of found family. I loved how with the different people we had, she chose her family and some of them she found and they like opened their arms and welcomed her into the family. But ultimately we see Gilda choosing every single person that she chooses mm. to spend her time with. So the core people that she decides, like they really are her found family, mm. but they're also her like chosen family. And she takes so long to like find and eventually turn Julius. Isn't she like 150 at that point? Yeah. Like, she yeah. she's not someone to rush into it. Maybe because I don't know, she was turned when she was pretty young. And it is something that she recognizes that it's not something that you can possibly understand when you're choosing to go into it. But the way the way she interacts with all of her vampire family and also just the humans around her, like it's not just her vampire family. It's also her neighbor Marcy and the the, the gals at the club and stuff like that. She always... Like, her first town family was the sex workers at Woodroff or whatever the Woodards. name of that place. Yeah, Woodards. Mm -hmm. And then she just keeps going from group to group and keeps connecting with people and finding her small community and and then moves on after, like, 20 years or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I really liked that. I thought it was really beautiful how she... Some people she, that weren't vampires, um, but that clearly she had made part of her family and that she continued to carry with her forever. Like, mm. like she was mentioning Bernice, the, the cook or the housekeeper at Woodard's, mm. all the way through the book. 
and the girls from Woodard's and other characters that she just like some of them she had um and her her birth mother and her sisters too um mm-hmm. carried objects from them as far through the book as she possibly could basically that some of her family both biological and found even mm. though they weren't there anymore she still was carrying them with her yeah mm. i think um so how do i say this and not be like fully incoherent i'm trying to gather <laughs> my thoughts. just start incoherenting we'll yeah <laughs> so um the like I said before, my favorite character in this was Eleanor. Not because I think she was the best person, but because I found her her and Sorrel and Gilda to be, like, the interplay between them I thought was the most interesting thing in the book. Um, and specifically when it comes to, like, dealing with the consequences of your actions. So once Eleanor decides to take the true death and just end it all out of guilt, um, Anthony says something to Gilda along the lines of that Eleanor's guilt and her inability to deal with the things that she had done is what destroyed her. Um, And they're talking about Sorrel and how sad he is and upset because Sorrel's the one who made Eleanor into a vampire, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And and how that was a huge mistake and all of this horrible stuff had happened. But then he says something along the lines of like, Eleanor's mistakes destroyed her. Sorrel's mistakes are not going to destroy him. Um, And that really resonated with me because I feel like it's so easy to let your mistakes or miscalculations or like things that you did that were selfish uh, or gross, like just completely destroy you and to really dwell in that. And in this book, we see so Mm -hmm. many characters, like we see Sorrel, we see Gilda, just like, do things that aren't within their code, things that are bad, uh, that even they would conceive of as bad, but then they just move on from it. And like, even if it's something that they always carry with them, it's not something that they're ever going to allow to become so heavy that it just completely paralyzes them and keeps them from moving forward. Um, And that really Mm. stuck out to me as something that I think anyone can really learn from. Uh, and the same with bird mm. like with bird it looked completely different but she was like i was so selfish towards gilda prime uh and i even <laughs> took it out on you uh new gilda but like <laughs> but like i'm moving on from it and i'm doing that in my own way that doesn't mean that i'm going to now completely subvert myself and be like oh i have to be selfless and do exactly what new gilda wants in remembrance of gilda prime but like she mm. was continuing to be present in New Gilda's life, but she was also living her own life. Um, and I think I, I just that really stuck out with me dealing with the consequences of the things that you've done are wrong, not dismissing them, but moving on from them in a way that's healthy and allows you to continue to be yeah. present in in other people's lives. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. That's really that- good. When you were building up that point, it was making me think another thing aside from decision paralysis that I've been like looking into um, is like emotional processing. And there's these terms of like clean and dirty emotions. Dirty emotions are basically like when you create your own suffering through dwelling 
on things and worrying and over processing right (laughs) whereas um clean emotions are just like the human experience like regret grief you know sadness happiness etc where you feel them Mm. and you allow yourself to feel them and move through them and maybe they stick with you forever but they don't create additional suffering from mm. the way you continue to dwell on them. Yeah. And mm. Yeah. I think Sorrel was really, Sorrel was really good at, you know, feeling emotions in a human and clean way and not creating additional suffering for himself, which is not to say that like he absolved himself of responsibility or anything, but he didn't create additional suffering through continuing to blame himself more and more for things. Yeah. He probably should have taken care of Samuel a lot sooner, but, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think... You come back yeah. from vacay. <laughs> I think one of... <laughs> one of the things with Sorrel that was so interesting was, like, he created Eleanor. He realized that was a mistake. And a lot of people, like, maybe someone who was a little bit more arrogant or someone who was a little... had more of a God complex would be like, well, she's my mistake, so I need to take her out. And he would you know, killer. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, sure. But instead, Mm -hmm. he and Anthony, to some degree also, they, you know, they warmed the people who she, who they could see that she was targeting, like, this is who she is, this is what she's going to do. But like, at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, they didn't act as if they were gods, or like anything was their choice, because that was the original problem was that he acted without considering the choice of the people he was acting on. Yeah, mm. I think that's a really good point. And like, think about it in the sense of parenting as well. Like, do you abandon a kid, you know, and then, you know, if there is a point that you do, but like, I think there's a similar parallel. And, and you know, Effie's, whoever turned Effie was like, low-key scummy. Like, it was like, <laughs> I just turned you for my own enjoyment. And then it was a burden in Greece. And like, Lord knows what year that was. So I think you make a good point, right? Like, there are vampires who play God. And it's it's to Sorrel's credit that he he kind of took it as a, a familial obligation, not lacking responsibility. Although he really still was like off to drink champagne and you have to see y'all later. <laughs> but I mean, oh my god, what happened with Eleanor? Oh no! <laughs> but I mean, that's what Anthony said. Anthony said like Samuel's here, and Sorrel will have to deal with it. And he, she was he was even like Gilda. This is not your problem either. That's. Sorrel's problem that is a family issue and they need to sort it and I think that's that's really true I I feel like for me this book when I think about it in my humanity is is that same non-duality like helping me to understand of both like accepting family and letting things go accepting the shortness of life but also living it to the fullest and I think as mortals it's hard because you're like we tend to go to the extremes because we feel like we don't have time. <laughs> but it's like maybe it's a both and thing. You don't have time and you have so much of it, you know? And so I, I think that seeing life as like a wave was a really – and I think it's easier if you live forever to see it as a wave because <laughs> there's so much more time to waste. Whereas if I waste five years, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> My five years. <laughs> That's five years. So so to take, and then like, how long does it take to forgive someone who did you wrong? If I have infinity to forgive you, it's a lot <laughs> easier than if I don't have, you know. Yeah. So, and if you can become the same age as your parents while still looking like you, 
you <laughs> might like think about their decisions a little differently. So it did make me think like, okay, these are like, if I could span my life out to 300 years, this is what I could forgive. This is what I could accept. But since I only have knock on wood, 80, <laughs> what can I do in the shorter amount of time? And I think that this book was yeah. really powerful in that way. Yeah. Um, towards the end, when she's reading the letter from her old crush's great granddaughter, um, who's deaf, and she wrote writes in the letter that people think that just because they don't make fun of me being deaf, it's love. Mm. But she equates like what they're doing is nothing and nothing isn't love. Yep. Because you need that action, that basically that support, that love. It has to be, it has to be something that is outwardly given. And, and I just also, even though it was just some line in a story of a person we actually haven't met in the story, I thought that line was really, it stuck out to me. Mm. I still remember it. So, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. I completely agree. It also like is very bell, uh, not bell, no bell hooks. It is very bell hooks. There's love is a, it's a choice and an action. It's not an absence of, and it's not a nothing. Yeah, it, it kind of like go ties back with found family. Just because you're related to someone doesn't mean you're family. Yeah, like you got to act like it too. Yeah. Oof. All right, so <laughs> that was a beautiful note to end on. Melissa, thank mm -hmm. you for wrapping up the show for us. Where yeah, you're can, welcome. <laughs> where can people find y'all? This is the type of deep analysis y'all will get about comic books. <laughs> if you listen to that, <laughs> we cannot stop ourselves from overanalyzing every possible thing. Beautifully analyzing. <laughs> so, if you guys will give one more shout out to where everyone can find you, that would be yes. wonderful. So we are on all podcast serving platforms as the sjw comic book club uh currently finishing up a hiatus i don't know when this is posting but we have a huge backlog that you can listen to and catch up on and which many people are doing uh you can also find us on twitter and instagram at sjw comics cast or email us directly at sjw comics podcast at gmail.com beautiful all right nice. y'all hit them up and if you want to hit us up you can find us at these color pages at gmail.com and i guess you can find us on our social media but let's face it you won't <laughs> see us there so <laughs> and we also have a website these color pages.com Yes, yes, of course, of course. And certainly if this show brought you any love, light, delight, please feel free to le leave us some love wherever you're listening to this podcast. Could be Apple Podcasts mm. or not. Could be something else completely different. For the Spotify girlies, they let you rate. They let you rate now. So, you know, if you want to leave us a little four, five star, I mean, five looks pretty. So, like, why, <laughs> why not? not? You know, but do you, but I mean, maybe five. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, just some like subtle emotional manipulation for the girls. Anyway, so next time we're actually going to be reading one of Akko's picks, How Beautiful We Were by Mbolo Mbue. Um, SJW Comic Book Club Podcast. Thank y'all so much. Thank y'all so much for a beautiful mm -hmm. episode. This was absolutely everything. Thank you for having um, us. Of course, of course. But Akko, you know, between now and our next episode, are there any other things we should leave our listeners with before we head out? 
No, just until we meet again, remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.